Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm podcast where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of the Deal Farm, we get to chat with Ross Hamilton about his amazing journey building and exiting from his real estate tech platform, Connected Investors, along with his new mission of saving houses. Stay tuned. And how you doing today? Oh man, I couldn't be better. How about you? It is a beautiful Wednesday here. Is that beautiful Wednesday there? Because it's a beautiful Wednesday here. I think it might be a beautiful Wednesday everywhere, Kevin. It's well, just I'll one of those you, Wednesdays. It, it's a beautiful Wednesday where I'm at. And I hope everyone else is enjoying a Wednesday such as nice as this. This is the first week that I feel like, okay, we've officially entered fall. And we got leaves falling everywhere. It's getting cool. The big question, yeah, I was going to say, is it the weather or is it that you actually went to a college football game? Because that is quintessential fall. You go to a football game and it's like, it does feel like fall now, doesn't it? Well, yes. So we did. Yeah, it was the quintessential fall Saturday in Athens this last weekend watching Georgia spank Kentucky and uh, weather was amazing. And it was one of those things. It was a night game. And by the fourth quarter, everybody was really cold. Like it did not feel like August or summer anymore. It was a hundred percent fall weather. And that's amazing. There's colors everywhere. It just makes me happy inside. I was talking to somebody uh, who was at the game and uh, said that it was a beautiful day. It was warm, went to the game, not even thinking that it was going to drop. And he said by the fourth quarter, everyone was like freezing their tails off. (laughs) Nobody was dressed quite appropriately because it had been such a nice day. I will say that we are being a parent uh, and having kids that complain when they get cold, I'm highly cognizant of uh, what the weather's going to do. And so yep. we made those buggers drag around hoodies all day. They're like, what are we going to have this hoodie? It's like, you're going to thank me tonight when it's 50 right. degrees. Fourth quarter, you'll love this. And it, it's so fun introducing your kids to things that that, that you love, that you grew up with. Uh, I know uh, for years, Neo, my son, he's at Georgia now. Uh, but as a little kid, you know, he got it. He didn't know what football, college football was, you know, and then you're getting him to sit down and watch it with you. And, you know, yeah. it's cool seeing your kids kind of take those things on and get excited about. Oh, 100 percent. What's fun, because uh, my kid Rocco, who's you know only 13, you know, he knows more about players and teams than I do. You know, yeah. I got him into it and he's like he's telling me I was like, who's the quarterback that team? He'll, he'll, he'll rattle it off in a heartbeat. Like he knows it. <laughs> who's on what teams and he's got his favorites and, and that's fun because he'll sit down and watch football and know what's going on. And right. it's a big deal to sit at a college football game and know who the players are. That does make it way more fun to share that with your kids. Yeah. It's uh. so I've got one who's three Joshua. He'll wear a Georgia shirt. You know, he'll, he'll, he knows when football's on. He didn't know anything that's going on, but he knows go dogs and he'll bark versus Neo. Who's now he's living it. He's a sophomore there. And it's, it's just part of the, I get such joy, right? It's that feeling of, man, he's living in what I so enjoyed when I was, was in college. Yeah. And you're coming right up on that. Like you, you're oh, yeah, getting man. close for your kids going off to college. So, yeah. And for Naomi, you know, who's in high school now. Yeah. She's seeing this and she's drooling a little bit about this college experience that's coming down the pike. She's more motivated than ever to get into Georgia. And we <laughs> want her to, obviously. And I'm sitting there like, man, I need to buy a house in Athens. Yeah. I've got nieces and nephews that could rent it from me. I got kids coming down the pike. I mean, I could keep this thing rented for 10 years if I buy yeah. this thing now. Yeah. It, 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 I, I saw a thing uh, this weekend of a guy who owns a house uh, in Athens. He uses it for game days. 
you know, instead of a lake house, he's got an Athens house. It's up by five points. And I was watching that. I was like, that'd be pretty cool to just kind of have a place that you go, you go, go hang out during the fall. And I guess he Airbnbs it the rest of the year. And it's like a man cave. It just has all sorts of pictures of footballs and, you know, football games and stuff. And he's got a, you know, Jersey signed by Dooley. It looked really cool. That's so, pretty slick. You know, yeah. Real estate's gone bananas in Athens. So like that five, that five points area. I mean, you're talking a 2000 square foot house is going to cost you a million bucks now. Well, what's crazy up, uh, up around there, they're tearing houses down and building uh, what it looks like. It's teardowns and rebuilds. I went, I took Neo. I was up there a few couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, I'm going to show you the house I lived in uh, when I was at five points. I couldn't like the house was like, that's not the house I lived in. I mean, oh, that, wow. They scraped it. I lived in a, in a nasty little, you know, little bitty house and, what was there now is this gorgeous two-story wow. craftsman. It was like it didn't look like that when I was there. So. Yeah, and the whole street was like that. It was gorgeous. Really? All these homes. Yeah. Well, now that's such prime real estate. I mean, that's what happens, I guess, in college towns is, mm-hmm. especially as a college like Georgia that's continuing to get bigger and growing and get bigger. Yeah, that all that real estate just becomes prime real estate. Right. Right. So I need well, to work on deal man. with Neo. I'm, I'm going to buy a house and then stick him in it. <laughs> Well, I can guarantee you, if you buy a house, he will fill it uh, because he knows every. He's basically becoming the mayor of Athens. He knows everybody. everybody. Everywhere you go, he knows people. So he can fill it up for you. I guarantee that. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah, he. He, But he and Naomi won't overlap. I I don't think, will he? She's a sophomore in high school. He's a sophomore in college. No, but uh, Ben and Naomi would overlap. And then Naomi would overlap with uh, our younger kids. So like I said, I mean, I just about, I could really legitimately have 10 years of rents ahead of me with between nieces, nephews, and kids. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I did the five-year plan because I had such a great time in college. So if Neo does that, you know, which he's not on the pace for a five-year program. But if he was, there'd be a year there together. I did that, man. I started hitting the brakes about junior year. It's like, what am I doing? Why am I getting out of here so fast? (laughs) I didn't take a full load from junior year on just so I could stretch it into four and a half years. Just so I got one extra football season, which I don't regret. I told each of my kids, when you're in college, you will never have a stage in life ever again like this. And so – Stoke it up. Enjoy it. Don't be in a rush. So much freedom and so little responsibility. It's fantastic. <laughs> Just Good hang out with your friends. Go to class here and there. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. He's living the life. I'm sure uh, your kids will uh, are, are seeing what's ahead and excited about it. Well, speaking of living the life, um, our next guest is just one of those entrepreneurs that just rung the bell. Like he built yeah. the business. He exited. And I knew, I mean, I've, kn- I've known about Ross for a while and I've known the business he built. I've used the website and, uh, and he exited it here recently for just ridiculous money. And I'm so happy for him. I love the success story of you grid it out, you build an amazing website, you sell it for tons of money and then, and then you decide what to do next. And uh, yeah, at that point in that stage of life. You, you want to talk about living the life. It's, it's generational wealth, putting yourself in a position to do whatever you want at that point. Right. Yeah. Exactly. When, and and uh, what I love about his story, too, is he's in that position right now, and now he's dedicated himself to a cause that I think is very cool. I think we, uh, I think we go ahead and play the interview. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's bring him in. So, Ross, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Ken. Man, thrilled to have you on. As I was just mentioning to you, you know, I've heard your name tossed around in lots of different investor circles, but this is the first time we've had an opportunity to meet. So I'm thrilled to, to meet you. Yeah, I've been around since 2005, so I've bumped into everyone at least a few times. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I, I, I've known your name in the context of a website that you built out that became wildly popular 
called Connected Investors. Was was that the first thing you did, or how, was or did you get into real estate investing first and then create that platform? Yeah, no, that was uh, that was my second step. My first step was to stabilize my finances through passive income and real estate. I realized at a very young age, the more people you were connected with, uh, the the more fluid each con- each transaction seemed to be. So I got really obsessed with just building networks of investors and service providers. I was virtually buying properties in other states and areas at a pretty young age and before it was as common as it is today. So I, I had to have those networks. I needed, I mean, I was in Wilmington. I had to be able to find the right people in Charlotte, in yeah. Raleigh, because just opportunities came came my way. So that was kind of the the nucleus that started connected investors just out of a need for my uh, myself in my real estate investing business. Interesting. So you started in Wilmington, North Carolina, in uh, in two thousand five. That's the same year I started, actually. No, I started uh, connected investors in two thousand five. Oh. I had when started did you start in, investing. Investing a few years before that. I need to pull up the exact year, but I bought my first house when I was uh, just turned nineteen. Um, I'm forty one now, so. Whatever that math is, that was the year that I, I started. I had a little bit of an upswing before the, the crash, and I was able to pivot very well through that and, and made more money during that time than, than any other time, to be honest, in real estate. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, might, I, I say the same thing that I started in 2005, did a bunch of assignments, and then it really wasn't until the downturn that my business took off. That's when we really scaled it because it was like shooting fish in a barrel, man, to find inexpensive houses there for however many years. And it was... Uh, it was pretty tremendous time to be in real estate. Yeah. So and just just like today, like anytime there's a shakeup, there's there's an opportunity to get in, right? Things are, things are going steady and they're easy. It's like trying to merge into a traffic with a bunch of buses. Like you can't do it, but yeah. you know, there's an earthquake going on right now. So you can you can get in. <laughs> well, and especially when everybody's getting out. When you see everybody sort of peeling out and real estate agents are getting out of the business. Loan officers are getting out of the business. Everything's kind of coming to a grinding halt. It's like, uh Oh, opportunity. Keep your eyes open. Get ready. Yes. Um, that is the correct mindset when it comes to real estate. Uh, you know, you want to zag when people are zigging for yep. sure. hundred percent. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a little bit about connected investors, especially, you know, it's been around for a long time, but I'm sure there's a handful of our audience that's not familiar with it. So yeah. maybe just give us the history of that. Cause to me, it's a really, really intriguing story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Connected Investors, uh, I essentially founded it back when you can only join Facebook if you were in an Ivy League college. Um, I hardly made it into my community college, so I did not get an invite into Facebook. And uh, I just wanted to create a platform for real estate investors to uh, to connect. So it was a side project, uh, Ken. I was flipping real estate and I would use the profits from my real estate flips to fund the development of connected investors. Wow. Raising money for real estate is easy. So easy. The easiest business in the world to raise money for is real estate. People that complain about that have never tried to raise money for a business or a tech company. That's a road show. You're selling the sizzle. You know, there is real significant downside for investors, but in real estate, there's really, there's not much downside, if any, usually. So I uh, had to, it was easier for me to make the money in real estate than it was for me to go do a dog and pony show and try to raise money, which is really good, Ken, because I was able to maintain 100% ownership of my company, which helped uh, reduce complexity and gave me 
you know, supreme decision-making power to do pivots that I couldn't do if I had investors and I had to explain my ideas to people. Um, so yeah, I started building connected investors as a side project and, uh, it was right when social media was blooming. So more and more people started using it and using it. We built it up to like 2 million ish members and, um, you know, the, and sold it to first American, a fortune 100 company, $8 billion company, uh, for a lot for generational, generational money. So that was a, that was a huge win. And I've taken that, that money now, and I'm putting it back into real estate. So I use real estate to start the tech. I sold the tech moved it back into real estate. I never stopped doing real estate throughout the whole process. Um, but my primary focus was definitely on connected investors. It helped people find the two things they needed, deals and money. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun, fun, fun ride. And it ended at the exact time I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> you should always be building a business to sell or to step out of. Yeah. Um, and that's why real estate's great because it's, Real estate is instantly sellable, yeah. but if you have a business, it's really hard to sell that company. It's going to take you a few years to sell it, if at all, if it's yeah. ever really sellable. Was that always your intention when you built the platform? Was to exit with a sale at some point in the future? Yes, it was. So yeah. you're like, especially if you're dumping time and energy and profits from real estate, like it needed to have a payoff for you. Yeah, I mean, the company got for the first maybe five years. I didn't really take a salary. It was all for my real estate business. But, you know, after a period of time, the company was making me millions of dollars a year, um, which was great, but it took, you know, over a decade uh, to get there. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of passion and uh, in building it when there, when it was, when it was tough. Yep. And then, you know, the overnight success story that took 20 years really what, is what we're talking about here. Right, right. What was, uh, yeah, I was never on the platform. I think I'd seen it at one point. What was the revenue model? Was it a subscription base? Um, yes. So we had a, a premium subscription, which got you access to property, property data. Um, every platform out there that is creating a streaming platform or crazy estimates, they're buying data from first American. They are the people that create the data, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I was able to start purchasing data from first American and create interesting ways for people to locate deeply discounted properties. So the premium subscription got you some cool stuff in the social network and access to every deal type you've ever heard of in an Airbnb style user interface. Hmm. Um, but what really did it for us was before that was the funding platform that we built into connected investors. So essentially um, I was training for an Ironman triathlon back in, back in the day. I wanted to make a decision, Ken, that was going to change every day of my life, right? I kind of plateaued out mentally. I'm like, I'm going to do something crazy. So I started to train for an Ironman triathlon with no swimming experience, a little bit of running from soccer, some biking from my early days in BMX, but really not much. And you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So the first thing I did is I got a coach. I was not going to try to do something I'd never done before without guidance and a coach. Um, and through this coaching group and these people, I met the uh the current CEO of LendingTree, hmm. other publicly traded company. Yep. We became buddies. I explained to him how real estate investors were getting capital. And he's like, that seems ridiculous and inefficient. And it was. So he helped me uh, build essentially a mini lending tree for hard and private money lenders. And people could tap 10 buttons, answer three questions, and they would get matched with a local harder private money lender 
<laughs> that wanted to fund their investment deal. So that really disrupted funding. Nothing like that existed in our space. Even the lenders we worked with had never heard about anything like that before. So what that allowed us to do was grow really, really fast because lenders would pay us for every match. Oh, wow. So whether they closed the loan or not, we'd match it with up to five lenders and we'd get paid from each of those lenders. So we were able to buy traffic at scale, spend a million dollars, get a million dollars back day zero without ever having to sell someone anything. And then they would become part of our social network and we would show them our subscription service and a percentage of those people would purchase our platform. So we were able to get customers for free at scale, which is the Holy grail. Um, And that's how we, that's how we grew um, the platform. You have to have a traffic strategy almost first before a product um, in today's, in today's world. So you were, I mean, did you have software background at all, or did you just kind of figure this out and hire some developers and just go? Yeah, zero background. You know, when I got into real estate, I didn't know anything about real estate. When I got into tech, I knew nothing about tech. Um, when I did the Ironman, I did, you know, I just like to set these big goals because figuring out any tough thing is the same. Yeah. Um, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, like I said. So I got coaches, I surrounded myself with other successful people, and I really got very good at team building and motivating the people on your team. That's when you see those entrepreneurs that have a lot of businesses, typically that's their core talent, their ability to build a team. Um, So yeah, that's zero background. I knew a guy that knew a guy and we started to, to build. Now I made a lot of mistakes because of that, but it got me in the game and that's step one. You have to be in the game to win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got in the game in a big way, man. And so how many years did you operate Connected Investors before the exit presented itself? Uh, about 15. 15 yeah, years. 15 years. It's kind of like when you're out surfing, right? Sometimes you're out there and there's no waves. And then all of a sudden there's a huge wave and you're sitting there. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that guy's a genius. It's like, no, I'm just just showing up every day, just putting in the time. Yeah, yeah. It was my time. <laughs> That's amazing. And so did you go looking for a buyer? And it was first American, right? That turned around and ended up buying you, right? So you already had a relationship with them. Exactly, exactly. And when you're when you're selling a company, um, you know, some cool strategies is to start conversations with potential acquirers early and build relationships. You can also uh, get some of those some of their top level executives on your team as advisors. Hmm. Um, you just want to make sure that you are on the radar, because when someone wants to buy a company. They, they had a board meeting and they're like, we need to buy a company. Who can we buy? And there's some random person that's like, I talked, this connected investors company is in that space. All right, see if they want to sell. Like that's how it really actually happens. <laughs> you have to stay on people's radar because at some point they're going to want to buy a company and you hope that you're, you're ready there. Every company that tried to buy me, I was on their radar early. Um, I did run an official process and it failed. So Lending Tree tried to buy us. We outgrew their offer. Um, I had to say no. Then we tried to sell. No one was interested. Then First American needed to buy a company in our space and the timing was perfect. So that's kind of um, that's kind of how it happened. But they bought us because our members were able to find discounted real estate and we had a really uh, great tribe of people that were using our platform. 
So are they still running that the platform today or do they? Yes. It? As of uh, July, as of July, like recently, I stepped out as, you know, VP, which was really interesting, by the way. I'd never had a job before. Yeah. I went from high school essentially into real estate. Um, so I never had a boss or a job. So it was really interesting to work for a fortune 100 company, uh, when I was already like done, I learned a lot. It gave me a lot of perspective on how hard it is to build a life when you have to rely on someone other than yourself. Hmm. Uh, it really frustrated me. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways, I was, wasn't wired to ask for permission for yeah. things. Right. Um, I was wired to find an idea, do a little research, hit the go button and let's go. So, uh, if you're working a corporate job out there, I mean, getting into real estate as soon as possible. I tell people this all the time, Ken, like don't overwhelm yourself. Just buy a piece of new piece of real estate every two years. Yeah. You know? And it will be the best thing you ever do because right. your real estate will take care of you and you don't have to know everything. Like look at my story. I knew in real estate, I needed to find discounted properties and that's all I focused on. Yeah. I didn't worry about everything else. Right. In tech, I just needed a platform that would do these few little things. So even when I was running and doing the triathlons, I would only ever look at the next telephone pole. And can I get to that telephone pole? Yes, it's easy. Mm -hmm. Get there. Can I get to the next one? So if you're in real estate, analysis by paralysis is what kills 90% of people. If you're not going to apply something like tomorrow, you're probably never going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think it is far riskier not to have a real estate portfolio than it is to have a real estate portfolio. So anyway. 100%. No, I love it. So um, they asked you to stay on. I guess part of the sale was, hey, stick around for a couple of years or what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, they'll always, because you, know, you have to teach people how to fly the plane. Sure, yeah. And it was actually really nice to have that transition time because if they were just like, all right, here's your money, bye. You know, life gets so different so fast. Yeah. Uh, I actually enjoyed the transition time to where, you know, I got to, Ken, I got to go into their closet of data that no one had ever seen before. Yeah. Like, what are you doing with this? They're like, eh, no one wants that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I remember one piece of data we found was the previous listing and selling agent of every property. Wow. And no one has ever talked about that. So the way I was using it is if you want to find a vacant house and you can see the last agent that listed it, then you can call that agent up and they probably have a connection with the, with the person say, Hey, I see you listed this property. I'm interested in buying it. And they'll, they'll dig up the notes. So that's just like one of a million things that they're starting to implement into the software. Cause they have more data than they know what to do with. So it was fun rolling up my sleeves and being like a kid in a candy shop with all of the, uh, the real estate data. How interesting. And have they continued to grow the platform or, I mean, I guess obviously they, they bought it for the upside. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are um, making huge investments in the platform. You know, Ken, I got to kind of a, a place where I could took it as far as I could. Yeah. The other, the next step investments were going to be, you know, I was going to have to raise money or really pull a lot of cash out of the, of my personal savings. It was going to take millions to get to that next, that next level um, with the scale of everything we're trying to do, but that is like petty cash to them. So um, they, 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 they just operate because they've been around for 130 years. Wow. They operate in time frames that don't even exist for me. Yeah. Like three years is about as far out as I'll let myself even go. 
Um, and, and, you know, they'll think in chunks of 10, 30 years. So right. it's really cool to see the stuff they're doing and it's, it just keeps getting better and better for sure. If you ever use the connected investor software, the pin software, like check it out again, it's always getting better and they keep lowering the price of it, which I couldn't afford to do, but apparently, uh, apparently they can. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what an accomplishment, because how many people grow a tech company by themselves, 100% ownership to a $100 million exit? I think that I think that's what I read. Um, yeah, it's the um, I'm under a non-disclosure for the amount. It wasn't 100 million, okay. but it was, you know, was I'll make these hand, I'll make these hand gestures there. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, anyway, it's wait, dying. Wait, wait, it was a lot. It was generational money, though. It was generational money. Yeah, it was it was definitely enough to, uh, you know, to, to really be able to do some big things. But most people that exit a big tech company, they've raised money. They've got lots of different stakeholders and ownership. And for you to have done that by yourself, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like I probably walked away with more than someone who got like a $500 million exit for a California tech company because they had to give away 50%. Yep. And then they have three or four other partners and huge loans. So it worked out, um, worked out really well. It was hard to keep hundred percent ownership. Um, but I just wasn't willing to, to give the, the ownership away. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So now you've officially then transitioned out of that role. What, so what does your life look like now? What are you doing post exit? Yeah, I would say, um, a huge exhale, right? Yeah, sure. Because I've been hustling hard for a long time and I don't look at this as retirement. I look at it as rewirement There you go. because what's really happened is every priority has changed for so long. Finance and keeping connected investors going was the number one priority of my life above everything else, pretty much no matter what, um, which is good and bad, right? Um, anyone who's at a top level has crazy obsession. You know, you talk to a top athlete, it's number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, so I just have, I've been rewiring, uh, what matters to me and I've moved into the nonprofit side of the world. Cool. I founded uh, a nonprofit in the affordable housing space called, uh, savinghomes.org. Hmm. Definitely check it out. Ken, you know, as we've all heard and we use, when we talk about real estate, real estate is the number one way to become a millionaire in the United States. Yep. Also the number one way out of poverty. Hmm. So I've spent my whole life helping people go from rags to riches, right? To make a million dollars in real estate. Now I'm kind of using my same influence and everything just to help people hold on to the houses they already have or get their first house. I mean, you take two life paths, one with real estate, one without real estate. It is such a monumental difference in not only in the person's life, but then in the generational. Yeah. The, the echo effect through generations, like you own real estate, there's equity, you take an equity line out, you send your kid to college, they get a better, they get a better job. Like yep. there's so many benefits. I'm so excited to be able to help people on that, um, on that side of the house. So check out savinghomes.org. It is a really cool mission. And we have some of the biggest people in real estate, like Than Merrill is mm -hmm. part of the group. Wow. Like cool. Pulling together the, the, the Titans of real estate that have profited millions and we're all jumping to solve solve this problem on the other end. So definitely, um, definitely wow. check it out. I, I will say one thing. My favorite thing about this, this nonprofit and the reason I decided to go all in is because it has this 
what I call this generation donation. So essentially, when you make a donation, whether it's $5 or 5,000, that money goes to help someone either save or get a new home. But once that home is sold or refinanced, that money then comes back into the charity and we can help someone else. Oh, interesting. Like the energizer bunny of giving and charities. Like you start a snowball effect when you give either five or however much money you give and it keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. So that's why so many people like Van Merrill and some of these other real estate elites are excited about it because it's it's not a Band-Aid. It's right. an actual like fix. Right. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. And there's, there's families right now that need help. Like this week, they're going to lose their house. This week, they're going to miss out on an opportunity. So uh, yeah, go there, make a little donation. And um, for a lot of people that might want to follow just the journey of it, this is me redoing everything with every lesson I've ever learned. So there's a lot of really cool elements to this. And I'm kind of sharing how I'm building this um, from the inside out. So it'll be a cool journey to kind of follow along on. And uh, yeah, now I'm kind of judging myself instead of dollars in the banks, like how many homes I can save or create. It's one of the basic food, water, shelter, right? Sure. Yeah. So to me, I think that's the ultimate path of an entrepreneur to be able to get to that point to where you can dedicate all your time to helping others and giving back in these, in these different ways. So I'm trying to set the example for, for other people that exit or have time to do things. Very very admirable. Not everybody that gets a big cash out wants to turn on and give back. Some people just want to hoard and keep building. And I think that's very cool. And it's also very applicable right now because affordability is like at an all time low. People are, people are struggling to, for, to keep their homes or to get into homes. And I love it, man. I think it's an amazing mission. Very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. And just, you know, with that being said, I have a, a lot going on in that space. And I actually have like two minutes before I have to jump on an important call <laughs> um, for, for, for that company. Usually I can stick around a little longer, but no worries, man. That's some, uh, I got some homes to save. You've got some homes to save, dude. I, I appreciate it. Hey folks, again, savinghomes.org. Love the t-shirt. They yeah. could probably pick one up on the site too, but at least learn about the mission, right? See, see how they can plug in and help people because what's the point of doing all this? What's the point of doing all this real estate and building an empire if you're not helping your neighbor? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, we need volunteers. We need help. We need people to share, share the link. So even if you don't want to give money, just share it on your social. It's uh, it's, it's an, it's a new charity as of, as of this year. And we start saving homes uh, in, in November. We have a few homes we're donating to people already. So we're doing all sorts of great stuff. Join the Love mission it. one way or another. Love it. Ross, man, I really appreciate the time. Good catching up with you. Take care, buddy. Absolutely. All right. See you, man. How cool was that? I mean, I love it. I love it for uh, for Ross. What a cool story. Grow the business, sell it, exit it. And now he's got this amazing cause for saving homes for people that are facing foreclosure. And, you know, I don't really know of any other nonprofits that have that go after that space in such a big way, comprehensive way to, to save people from losing losing their homes. I love it. Well, what's cool is that, you know, it's not just, you know, moving to Barbados and, and living on a beach the rest of your life. I mean, he's choosing to plug in with meaning, right? And do some something with purpose and significance. Now that he's in a position, he can do whatever he wants, you know, from That's a right. financial standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. His perspective's changed. He's like, okay, I got what I wanted. Well, I don't need to keep building at this point. How do I redirect my efforts towards a good cause? And that's exactly what he's done with saving homes. I love it. That's great. What a good interview. Kevin, I'm uh, I'm inclined to do this again next week. I think next Wednesday. Let's pull this up again and do it one more time.
And we'll talk about the next uh, game that Georgia wins. <laughs> I think uh, Vandy is up next. So yeah, that's a sort of a gimme. So we'll uh, we'll have fun talking about our uh, our win against Vandy next week. I think that actually sets it. It will officially set a record for most is it most consecutive SEC wins or something. There's a bunch of streaks on the line that yeah. start yeah. getting broken for that uh, next week. All, all goes well in Nashville. Uh, they should be the new record holders for a bunch of new streaks for well consecutive wins or consecutive AP number one or something like that. Something. Yeah, there's probably multi. Yeah, like you said, there's multiple streaks on the line. I know consecutive wins, consecutive home wins, consecutive SEC wins, all that fun stuff. I mean, is it about time or what? Jeez. I mean, we've been Georgia fans for how many, what, 30, 40 years, and, and now we're finally getting a taste of the good life, and it's amazing. <laughs> we suffered. Suffered through some rough years, some oh, rough shit. You know, I, again, we could talk for a while. I lived in Tennessee during the streak when I think we lost to Tennessee for eight to 12 years. Some, just every year just got pummeled by yeah. Fulmer and Tennessee. It's so great to be on this other side and be like, all right, these are good days now. These these are the glory days. These are we're living the glory days of Georgia yes. football right now. It's Soak it up while you fantastic. can. It doesn't yeah. last forever. Soak it, it up not, right now. It will not last forever. So... All right, well, let's uh, let's talk more Georgia football next Wednesday. Let's plan on it. All right, see you, man. See you. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity. And I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.